is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. Start things out here tonight. Of course, your calls are the primary element if you make them. Uh, But to start things out, actually, we do have a call. We go to Chris in Michigan, and then we're going to talk about guns. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, Mark, Ian. Hey, Hey, good evening. What's on your mind? All right, all right. I had to call to send my my friends in the pharmaceutical community and the medical community. Um, Last two nights, um, made some some accusations. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure where you got these ideas. As if we are, uh, we've stumbled upon the cure for cancer, but we're hiding it. It's in our secret uh, Bohemian Grove uh, collective. And I, I'm not quite sure where you get this idea. I mean, you guys, you guys squash conspiracies all the time. Anytime someone calls up with some zealot nonsense about how the the Jews are taking over the world or chemtrails, but you let this guy rant and rave about how we. Uh, we manipulate the pharmaceutical community and with the powers of government to keep. I mean, good God, I've devoted 10 years of my life to medicine, to helping people. And you really think for the paltry sum I'm paid for that, if I stumbled upon the cure for cancer, we would all be hiding it? I don't I think mean, that for is, a second. Is, wait a second. No, no. No, no, no. You oh. can't backtrack from what you said. I mean, this nope. is straight Jenny McCarthyism, just like when you said... Well, I don't know. You're I'm, putting words into my mouth, Chris. Jenny McCarthy? Uh, you're putting words into my mouth because I never said anything of that sort, and I don't think Mark said that either. Yeah, I, I said that the we, medical establishment we, we doesn't have the incentive that's necessary to really put something like that out there. If somebody incentive? wants to... You've got to be kidding me. I get paid I, I get paid a decent sum, I, I'd probably about to 150 160 a year, but holy crap, if I discovered the cure for cancer... Well, my wealth would rival Gates and, and Steve Jobs in a second. I mean, not if, this is, not this is right up there cancer. with the people who say that uh, vaccines cause autism not in our children. Not if the cure for and cancer was dandelions, you wouldn't get uh, that, uh, you know, this million, billion dollars a year. <laughs> right, right. We care, right. You're exactly right. And, and mango steam cures uh, bad hearts and high cholesterol, too. Hey, look, I mean, come on. Tr- well, try it. I don't know. What you're referencing there, uh, you're flippantly referencing there, sir, is that you're saying that these uh, naturopathic cures are a bunch of hokey malarkey and you should stick with the official medical system because, well, mangosteen or whatever, fill in the blank, dandelions, whatever, is a bunch of, a bunch of junk to you. Um, but there are some people who swear by those treatments. And there are and plenty of people who, have, uh, you know, who, who claim that statin drugs will kill you. Really, and I'm sure they have peer-reviewed studies in medical journals to back that up. They haven't. Re- they haven't withdrawn any uh, any any pharmaceuticals in the last uh, decade or two. Oh, pharmaceuticals are withdrawn. That's that's evidence, right? Sure, but we can't predict everything. When things go to trials, are only conducted with a a small number of people. Once it's hard to weasel out everything until something hits the market, and when it does, it is removed. And if companies are negligent and hide information, then they should be punished appropriately, no doubt about it. Don't you agree, Chris, that in a restricted marketplace where the amount of players are limited by government regulations, for instance, that in a restricted marketplace it is much less likely that those players in that marketplace would be interested in pursuing such venues as a cure for cancer when they could busily uh, busy themselves with things that would provide a much more, oh, I don't know, uh, guaranteed revenue stream? Oh, 
if we're talking about the marketplace, sure, if we freed up the pharmaceutical companies and we took away all the money they have to fund to the FDA and to the other government organizations to, to meet their standards to bring things to market, we could see there would be a lot more investment and we'd see a lot more. So then you agree with my premise. If you go back and listen to the discussion we had, I think you're referencing Wednesday night show. Maybe it was last night, but I think it was Wednesday. It's so hard to remember all these things Uh, you talk about uh, 18 hours a day. Right. Then if you go back and listen, uh, then you'll find that you're agreeing with my premise. And I suggested nothing more than the fact that because we have a regulated, restricted, controlled marketplace, that the current entities that are playing within that structure do not have the proper incentives that they need to go and do something like find a cure for cancer when they could very easily when they what would they would rather do with their money and their time under today's current structure is you know find some you know some sort of pill to treat depression that can keep everybody on that pill for the entire rest of their lives you know something that's going to continue with an income stream makers out there is if you can grow hair and you can give give old men an erection right there's your money maker right there you know, so, absolutely true. So I don't see where we disagree then at this point. We disagree with the fact that you're it's it's the government entities that are stifling it. It's not it's not the people in the either the pharmaceutical community or the medical community. I didn't say well, that, that the people the, in those communities I, were I evil. I don't think they're stifling it either. I, the, I do think, however, that uh, because of, you know, uh, government it, monopolies that are given that they are incentivized differently than they would be in a free market. Right, and, and not all of the people in the pharmaceutical industry have uh, negative uh, are are trying to suppress other technologies or natural cures or things like that. But the reality of the marketplace is that's what is pushed for at an ultimate level. That because the government exists, the existing pharmaceutical manufacturers and the medical establishment has an interest in protecting its monopoly, semi-monopoly status or guaranteed uh, player status. Uh, and they they do their best to lobby against natural cures. Now, I mean, I'm not I don't mean to say that you are necessarily a part of this. I am saying though that that is the reality of the situation we're in today. Do you disagree? I don't disagree that the fault lies with the regulatory assets, not not with the people who are out there working. I mean, this is this is right out of uh, you know, Ayn Rand's book, and you know, she talks about the the men of the mind, and those are your those are your researchers. Those are your scientists. You know, no offense, but you know, your little, you know, your buddy down the street banging his bongos and drinking his mango scene isn't going to come up with the next vaccine. You know, he's not going to wipe out the AIDS virus. All right. Thanks for the but, call tonight. Thank you for your time. Yep, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So you could hear in his tone the disdain that much of the medical establishment has for those who are supporters of natural solutions. I'm and sure there he are crossovers. Would not be one to to keep them out of the in, uh, out of the marketplace. No, he wouldn't. He would. You can hear the disdain. But you can yes, right. So um, if you take the disdain that he has for the guy with the uh, bongo drums and the mango steam. Which I can see that I, I like. I get it. I totally get it. But if you if you take that disdain and couple it with somebody who doesn't mind using government force, doesn't mind uh, enterprising on you know the the the, the violence that politicians will uh, you know focus on the the citizenry, well then you have a real bad problem. And right. he is in the minority, uh, the the small, the slim, the the, the sliver of a minority um, in the of medical community who would that would not use, not use that kind of force.
Yep. So you take the disdain plus the willingness to use the force, then you've got a real problem. Right, but because the people that have that disdain believe they know what's right, they are only doing – they're not doing it because they want to put people out of business or – There are a lot of people out there, a lot of people that you'll talk to that will say uh, – for instance, a good friend of mine says his uncle died within three – who was in perfectly good health died within three days of taking a vaccine. But, mm. oh, it's not going to be the guy in the bongos and the, the mangosteen uh, you know, coming up with the next vaccine. Well, good. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about it. But uh, everybody's got – and I personally have taken vaccinations and been the sickest I have ever been in my life. You know, he wasn't just talking about vaccinations. He was talking about just the in general AIDS, the idea whatever that of is. whatever the what, – yeah, whatever cures Apparently we're Apparently AIDS isn't the, isn't the problem that it was uh, 20 years ago. I don't know what the what, what happened. certainly there. don't talk about it like they, no. like they used to. No. Uh, so, so yeah, so you can hear the disdain in his voice for alternative natural treatments, and I understand where he's coming from. It's his, it's his realm that the establishment, the medical establishment is the way, and these alternative things are kooky, and, uh, he's, he's entitled to that viewpoint, certainly, but if you take that and you multiply it out times all of the people that are in the medical establishment, you're right, Mark. You do find that I would think a majority of them would be more than willing to use force in order to promote their solutions over the natural solutions. And that's what they do. Again, I'm not accusing Chris of being a part of that conspiracy, for lack of a better term. But these people absolutely have no problem with legislating their competition out of the marketplace. And they only do it because they believe that's what's right. They have been sold the bill of goods that says the medical establishment is the solution and all these other things are quackery and so therefore the government should prevent it. And I'm sorry, people should have the freedom to choose. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, and webcam versions of the show, all available completely free for you at listen.freetalklive.com, which, uh, by the way, we've upgraded our uh, dial-up streams after I actually do- uh, downgraded them earlier this week. It's nice to know that some people still care about the dial-up streams. I got a nice email from one of our truck driver listeners who said that he uses the dial-up stream to stream to his, uh, I guess it was his cell phone in his truck. Okay. So, or maybe it was his laptop, but whatever. He's got the he's got the mobile internet service basically, and the dial-up stream makes it easy for him to listen, whereas the broadband stream is just a little too heavy duty for his connection. And so he was complaining about the uh, the cut in the the quality, and so we increased it from. 8 to 16. It was 12 kilobits. Then we brought it down to 8. Now it's at 16. So it's actually higher uh, bit rate than it's... Uh, isn't, than it's that more, isn't that bad for the dial-up people, though? Because more bit rate is, you know, it's, it's harder on the... It's still not a full dial-up stream. It's okay. still... I, I could still put more bit rate into it if I wanted to, and it would still fit in a dial-up window, basically. Uh, but it was just good to know that some people actually care about the dial-up stream, so we went ahead and upgraded it. Well, um, there's, no, there's no doubt that truck drivers are the uh, the backbone of talk radio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Talk radio, they, they love... They're the backbone of America, my friend. Move stuff around for us. Uh, they, absolutely. Thank goodness for those professional drivers. I really have an appreciation for those guys. All right, 800-259-9231. So we continue here with your calls. It's Eddie in California. Eddie, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Eddie. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Uh, 
I, today I just wanted to actually recommend a really quite shocking uh, lecture slash talk for those who are you know not used to thinking about privacy, and uh, it's by a guy named uh, Stephen Rambam. It's spelled R-A-M-B-A-M, and the talk is called "Privacy is Dead, Get Over It," and. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Google Video. It's like three hours long. If anybody's interested, it's three hours. And, uh, oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's like a two hour, two and a half hour, and there's a Q and A at the end, and it's really really good. It's by like a, it's like he's like a professional investigator, private investigator, uh-huh. and basically he talks about uh, how everything about you is uh, you know being collected on databases in a super fast basically especially these days well and, not, the uh, stuff, was, not the stuff that you send through email on privacy harbor at privacyharbor.com mm, that's true oh actually i was going to ask you about that how come uh, i mean i, I don't know i don't Uh-oh. know if it's that Technical secure question. or privacy harbor um I, but there's a service called hotmail which is pretty it's known to be secure but i'm not sure about the privacy harbor why how does that uh, differ from like services like Hotmail. Are you asking me technical questions about computers? <laughs> you could go to privacyharbor.com and find out all that information, right. I'm sure. And <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I Call just want to recommend phone. that I just want to recommend that video for any listeners interested in uh it's it's really shocking video. I, yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from and I, I I get the idea that privacy's dead, but it's not true. I think it's only dead for those who aren't interested in putting time and effort into it. And I think that's generally always been the case uh for privacy. It's just I guess a little bit more difficult now than it was in the past to retain your privacy. So, uh for those that are interested in privacy, it is still well, attainable. This, this guy did a um People, people said what you just said in this in the lecture, and um, this guy did a little experiment with this uh, um, subject, I guess. And um, they, he spent an year, basically one year. It was a bet that he was supposed to find the other guy, and if he does find the other guy, uh, you know, however much money, I guess. And the guy found him 25 times. You know, well, basically, one one guy would try to hide, and the other way, the investigator would try to find him. And he, it's quite amazing the way he found him. You know, every every single time, it's really unconventional and really strange. It's very uh, intriguing. Ways. Obviously, yeah. I haven't seen the video, so I'm not sure what all of the parameters were on how this guy was hiding and, and what methods the private investigator used uh, to find him. But I would like to point out that when you're talking about privacy, there are different levels of it. Uh, certainly, right. there is you know some ultimate level where no one can find you. You're living in the middle of the woods, and your your location is a complete secret living off the land. I mean, there is a certain level at which a private, even the most dedicated dedicated private investigator will not be able to find you. Most people don't require that level of privacy. For some people, it may just simply be enough to have uh, a private mailbox instead of having mail delivered at their home, uh, which is kind of an int- a very uh, intermediate uh, or beginner's level of privacy that is going to preclude you from being found by the average person, uh, but the private investigator, of course, has more tools at his uh, his disposal, plus it's his job to find people, so he's a little bit more practiced at it. Uh, so well, the, it, I know it's, it's his job, but he I basically found him using uh, information that's in the public domain. So anybody who knows where to find information, you know, any any citizen, normal citizen, could do the same exact thing. That's the that was the whole point of his talk, this kind of theory. Was the guy hiding, like Unabomber style, or what? 
Yeah, he he was trying to actually a couple of times, and he kept you know finding him. Man. I don't understand how that. I mean, again, I don't know what all the details and are. But the if hardest you go into one was. Uh, a, yeah, go ahead. Basically, he said, uh, "If I don't find you for sixty days, you win the bet." I guess. And mm-hmm. the hardest, the, one of the hardest ones was uh, he couldn't find him for forty-five days. Then um, he got like one of his female uh, investigators posing. Uh, they basically they found the guy's match. You know, profile match.com profile. <laughs> you're, not hiding, yeah, you're not like, hiding. You're not uh, hiding very well with your match.com uh, Yeah, uh, but this was like a really old uh, cache. On, it was on the Google cache, like mm-hmm. a really old profile. And they, you know, tracked him down that way, and they found out that, yeah. you know. Well, that how this do you guy track a man trying down who's hard. trying to hide from an old match.com uh, profile? Right. This guy wasn't trying to hide very hard. That's not how it's sounding to me. Uh, for instance, if you want to go and hide yourself... And you have well, the money. He deleted all these profiles, but this is long, long time ago. You know? Yes, but how does Years it get? Ago. Doesn't how does make he sense. Get found then is my my question is. Yeah. Is, if the guy have an address in there, it doesn't sound like he's hiding very hard. If you're trying to well, catch, I dare this guy to catch me if I'm trying to hide from him. Yeah, you give me enough money and enough free time, and <laughs> I will not be found. I'm going to Costa Rica, and I'm going to sit and drink margaritas <laughs> on the beach for 60 days, and he's not going to find me. Hey, thank you for the call. It's an interesting <laughs> no topic nonetheless. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I mean, it's an interesting topic. I don't think that guy was really trying very hard. Maybe he was, maybe the, the challenge was, well... I'll try to find you if you're still living your similar lifestyle with minor changes. Because if you want to not be found, well, the first thing you need to do is move. Because if you are where you are and you haven't been living a private life, then it'll be pretty easy to find profiles and a bank account or whatever whatever kind of information is you're looking for on this person. The longer you stay in one place, the more likely you are to start to gather identifying, uh, pointing information to who you are and where you're at. So you go and you find a rental house. You find somebody who is willing, willing to, to take, take cash. <laughs> you find somebody who's willing to take cash up front because most people that are willing to take cash and Six, not... 60 days? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go get a, a hotel room. That pay, would work. I'm gonna pay cash for that, that would hotel work. Room. You pay cash. You don't. Uh, you don't even have to give them your real name if you're paying with enough cash. It d- depends on the hotel. Um, I mean, some hotels they, you know, they, they, doesn't matter to them at all. I can assure you. More on the way here. Let's talk about achieving privacy. I mean, how could we have? Uh, how could we have won this little competition? This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. The features include, by the way, the bulletin board system. Lots to talk about there. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of posts. And you'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. 
And speaking of privacy, according to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. So put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's privacyharbor.com. And that's what we were talking about a few moments ago when Eddie called in to say that he had seen this video, uh, some sort of three-hour-long lecture with some private investigator claiming that privacy's dead, so get over it. Go ahead, just put it all out in the open there, kids. Uh, I don't think that's what Eddie was – he wasn't advocating that necessarily. But yeah, I didn't hear Eddie, Eddie give his uh, social security number. No, well, that, that wasn't <laughs> – I don't think he was advocating no. that people splay their information out for everyone to see. Uh, but at the same time, he was claiming that this private investigator could find anybody – and I just don't think that uh, whoever it was that he was trying to find, they had some guy that was attempting to hide from the private investigator. I don't think he was being too serious about attempting to avoid being found. And if what he was trying to do was avoid being found but yet continue in his current lifestyle, then yeah, you're going to get found again and again. Because if what you want to do is continue your lifestyle that you're enjoying right now and somehow be a little bit more private, you can increase your privacy, like like I suggested earlier, like by getting a private mailbox at a place like uh, PacMail or mailboxes. Uh, it's, I guess they don't have this sure. anymore. Sure. Privacy, you know, the, the, the privacy... Uh measures that you can take are kind of like you know getting a better and better lock uh, locksmiths will, will yeah. tell you that there's no such thing as a secure lock there are Depends more on, secure right. locks but not a secure lock yeah if, if you have somebody who wants to crack that lock bad enough they're going to do it if you, similarly if you have somebody that wants to find you bad enough badly enough they're going to do it unless you take the ultimate extreme it is still possible to be ultimately private in this uh, today's technological privacy is dead age. And I was just going to su- share some simple suggestions, and I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're a really private individual. If you've got the courage to pick up a phone and call us, uh, we'd like to hear your suggestions and your tips as to, number one, how to increase privacy in a regular person's life. What are some, some simple ways that somebody who wants to continue on in a similar lifestyle to what they're currently enjoying could increase their privacy? That's really the trickiest part. Because if you are working at a job and you are stuck in the system, it's very difficult to increase your privacy. So that would be a tricky thing. So I'd love to have some tips on that. But as far as if you want to go maximum privacy, if that private investigator is on your trail and you want to throw him off, number one, move. Get a rental place. Find somebody who's willing to take cash and make sure you have enough to offer them a significant amount in order to make it worth their while. Because obviously if you're dealing with landlords and you've got somebody who's coming in saying, I want to be relatively private, here I am. Sure, if, they're reporting, if they're reporting the fact that you pay your uh, rent on a monthly basis to the credit bureaus, that's not, that's not going to be really what you're looking for. Yeah, uh, so you want to make sure you've got a landlord who appreciates the fact that you want privacy and is willing to bend their rules maybe a little bit uh, in order in, the, in return for a significant amount of cash in order to keep their name on all of the utilities. So you come to the landlord and you say, okay, well, look, I'm a pri- really private person. You can make up whatever excuse you want. I'm a really private person, and so I need to uh, – wh- what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you money in advance – for not only for rent, I'd like to also give you more money for the security deposit because I'd like you to keep your name on all of the utilities. Now, that's something that most landlords are going to shy away from because, well, they've dealt with tenants that are 
irresponsible and they don't want to have to deal with your irresponsibility coming on to their credit score, for instance. And so if you can make them feel better by lining their pockets with cash. Well, uh, you tell tell them, uh, here, I'll give you a security deposit of three months and then I'll pay the the security, uh, excuse me, the uh, power bills, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So you make them feel comfortable. You give them enough money to get in, to get into the lease agreement. You give them enough money to give them a nice little padding on the uh, the various different bills. In fact, you can pay the bills for them. There are a lot of places you can go and pay pay down a bill in cash, for instance. So most of the bills you can actually take the responsibility of paying. It's just that you're asking them to leave the the home and the bills in the landlord's name. So now you've got a new house. None of the bills are in your name, and as long as you don't do something stupid like register some sort of whatever at that particular location, you're pretty you're pretty much okay. Now, of course, I I'm still also say it's easier just to go get a no-tell motel if you're trying to go for 60 days. Well, I was talking about a longer. I mean, yeah. I was talking about a long-term. You're really serious about privacy, kind of thing. Obviously, uh, you shouldn't be working in the current working world. You should not work in the corporate world if you're looking for privacy. You should be doing underground, underground economy uh, kinds of things, whatever that means for you, whatever you feel most comfortable with, whether it's uh, you know being a, a shade tree mechanic or selling your body or drugs or something like that. Something you can do and profit from on the underground marketplace without having to register a business name or without having to give up uh, identifying information to an employer. Because it's going to be very difficult to get a job at McDonald's if you don't turn over a social security number. So, house without your name, job without a name, what else? What am Um, I missing? House without a name, job without a name. You got money coming in. Cars and uh, driver's licenses and all that stuff. I, I mean, ideally, you probably should be bicycling or or walking somewhere. I mean, that would be the ideal situation. Uh, of course, you could get away with having a car and not having it in your name. It's just you just have to drive it around and not identify yourself to the police when they pulled you over. It may result in you spending a few nights in jail. But if you're already a private person and you're working in the underground economy, then it really won't matter if you spend a few nights in jail. So I think it'd be possible to uh, to go about having a, a a vehicle in the world of running completely 100% private. You just have to be willing to risk the loss of that vehicle. So I would love your tips. 800-259-9231. Those are two basic ideas. And also tips on how to increase privacy if you still want to interact with the majority of uh, the corporate world or you're still sort of in the, the, the realm where you currently are, but you want to increase your privacy a little bit. would love your suggestions on that. We continue with your phone calls and we go unscreened to the amp lines. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, amp line caller going once. Hello. Oh, you're on the air. Hi, um, I'm from the UK, and I found this uh, story that has got me really angry for two reasons. Okay. At first, it's a story about um, state ID cards and databases. Second, childhood indoctrination. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you've heard about all these databases the UK are getting, ID cards and uh, CCTV databases, mm-hmm. uh, database tracking where your card's going. I found a story on a website called The Register, which says, Our Home Secretary Jackie Smith today went to Manchester in front of a whole school full of little primary school kids and talked to them for about 20 minutes all about how ID cards are a wonderful idea, and Mm. this one's a quote, they will help you strike out on your own by opening their first bank account, renting their first (laughs) flat, perhaps traveling to Europe for this cross-time, 
And I'm just reading this article, and um, yeah, what a ludicrous claim! It's not going to be a single thing which these ID cards aren't going to be involved with. I mean, the whole idea that uh, an ID card is helping someone open a bank account or rent, rent a flat is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, we were just talking about privacy. If you've got enough well, cash, you can help. rent a flat. Wait, right. You, but if you've but got a cash... primary school students, what do they need to know this information for? You, you, well, it's, they're, prime, they're priming them, Mark, uh, for their life as a uh, good little slave, a uh, good little serf working in the system and having their wealth extracted uh, to the state. But as far as renting a flat or opening a bank account, look, if you've got money the bank want it wants it and if you've got money the rent the uh the, the landlords want it you don't need an id for any of those activities ideally i mean in a free marketplace it wouldn't necessarily be required uh banks probably would want to know you might even be able to open a private bank account in a free market world that you would be giving them some identifying information in order to identify you as their client but they wouldn't necessarily have to identify you so uh, it's just fallacious what that guy's saying, as you well know. Any other thoughts for us? Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So what, what about some other privacy tips? What have you got out there? What have you utilized in your life that has been effective at increasing your privacy? Not necessarily to total privacy, because if that was the case, you'd probably be calling us from a payphone somewhere. Uh, but would love your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting this program on more radio stations across the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board with the program and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want to help us out and get access to perks like the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That is amp.freetalklive.com. We actually started the show out here tonight taking a call from Chris talking about uh, the medical establishment uh, versus kind of the naturopaths and those solutions. And, uh, it was all tied into an original conversation that was all about patents uh, and how it is that they actually – they kind of – don't really help with innovation. At least that's what the experts over at Against Intellectual Monopoly have to say about it. And we've been talking about that book here, as Jeffrey Tucker over at LewRockwell.com had uh, pr- printed a review of it uh, a few days ago. He's now printed a follow-up article. And I thought it was worth sharing here because it actually ties into uh, the conversation we were having with Chris earlier. And the idea was, or my suggestion was, that in a restricted marketplace, as we have today, with the FDA's incredibly restrictive uh, and overreaching regulations, plus the patenting system just uh, dramatically increasing costs and, and complexity, 
with this governmental regulatory structure that is laid over top of the medical uh, the medical industry, what we have as a result of that is we just don't have as much innovation and we don't have as much compassion as we possibly could have in a truly unrestricted free marketplace in medicine. And uh, Tucker addresses that here amongst a number of other things at LouRockwell.com, saying that drugs patents took it on the chin a few years ago when major drug companies refused to sell cheap AIDS drugs in Africa. Now, we were being told earlier this hour that, well, drug companies, if they could find a cure to cancer, of course they would put it out there. But even the, the, the drugs they have come out with, they're very stingy with. They didn't give them to the poor, the poor folks in Africa. So, again, another example here, and more, more detail shortly, but this is another example of how it is that, well, because there isn't a lot of competition, because the marketplace is so restricted, these folks just don't have the incentive to care like they might otherwise. And he goes on, presuming the drugs actually work, countless lives might have been saved. But the desire to protect the high price on the patented drug, despite the low marginal cost for producing additional units, trumped the humanitarian impulse to save lives. The large drug companies refused to budge, despite protests from all over the world. Defenders of the drug companies say, well, sure, it's cheap to produce mass quantities of drugs after they've been developed, but the costs of getting there are sky high. If companies can't charge high prices, they won't develop the drugs in the first place. Now, the authors of Against Intellectual Monopoly, Boldine and Levine, say in Chapter 4 say that, or they offer an interesting response to this claim, but it requires a bit of thought. They point out that the drugs can still be sold profitably at vastly lower prices, in the same way that many other products can be sold profitably at low prices. Items of super high cost, like uh, passenger airline or cruise ships, recoup those costs through volume sales over time. It's the same with drugs, or it could be the same with drugs. So why wouldn't the pharmaceutical companies budge in the African case? Well, it's due to fear of re-importation. That is, that the drugs would make their way back to the United States and Canada Mm. and be sold at cheap prices, thereby undercutting their monopolistic price. So why not just price discriminate? Well, it's not so easy to price discriminate in a global economy. No. Rather than taking that risk, companies settled for not selling it at all. This reflects a general principle articulated by the authors, that intellectual monopolists often fail to price discriminate because doing so would generate competition from their own consumers. Think about that principle, or this principle. It helps explain why large software manufacturers routinely degrade their products available to consumers while reserving their better products for the more lucrative corporate market. This is why the versions of operating systems and end-user software are dumbed down on the consumer market. The companies don't want to permit cross-selling between markets, even though the costs of selling better products across markets are virtually identical. Only intellectual property allows them to get away with this sort of behavior. So, yes, there are some benefits to patents in the same way that there are benefits to all monopolists. The post office benefits from the prohibition against private delivery on letters, something we talked about earlier this week. Public schools benefit by regulations on private education and mandatory funding. The electric company benefits from its statutory guarantee against competitive intrusion. But that's not the same as saying that all groups benefit. Boldrine and Levine uh, explain, or examine rather, data from the total factor productivity in cross-national studies and show that the astounding increase in patents in the 1990s, rising, from more than, uh, rising more than threefold from a stable rate in the previous decades, has had no effect on increasing prosperity and innovation. 
Meanwhile, there are huge costs, even for those who acquire and actually own the patents. Oracle Software, for example, spends vast resources on what could be called defensive patents. They must get them before someone else does, uh, or someone else does, and before someone else does, else they risk having to pay huge fees to someone else. Cross-licensing is the only way to develop software now, so the patent route has been forced on everyone. The word thicket is the one that everyone uses. While thicket? It, yes. What it really amounts to is a cold war between patent holders, a patent race that's very much like an arms race. This is why Nokia owns 12,000 patents, and Microsoft is adding 1,000 patents a month to its arsenal. Intel's imagine how that much costs. I mean, how, how how that costs uh, just to pay the lawyers to do that. Intel's CEO spoke for many when he said he'd be glad to cut patents to a tenth of its current rate, provided that others would do the same. Conventional patent theory says they are necessary for generating revenue to fund research and development and to inspire innovation. This is supposedly the economically valuable contribution of patents. And then there's the real world. A Carnegie Endowment survey of firms shows that businesses themselves report that this function of patents is mentioned as important only 6% of the time. The main reason businesses say they want patents is to enforce monopoly. That is, to prevent people from developing similar but better and cheaper products and to prevent lawsuits. The authors describe the results of patents as not a competitive market for innovation, but an oligopolistic market structure around patent pool mechanisms. This affects every industry, as patent battles hinder economic development. A good example is the ongoing battle as to who and what can lay claim to the title Basmati Rice. A Texas company called Rice Tech won a patent in 1997, infuriating, or infuriating Indian and Pakistani companies that have been making Basmati for hundreds of years. These companies have been fighting back with their own attempts to register patents on the rice. What this has to do with the consumer and the dinner table and the need for cheap and delicious food being made widely available is the unanswered question. A peculiar form of patent abuse comes in the form of the submarine patent. This is a patent taken out early while the production of the product itself is delayed as long as possible. When someone else finally goes to market with a product, the patent emerges from the deep as a method of blackmailing the company that has gone to market. Mm. The authors explained this tactic. Heard about this. The tactic dates to the patent on the road engine in 1895. It commanded 1.25% on the sale of every car in the U.S., the man sold his patent for $10,000 and 20% of royalties to a syndicate in 1899. As the car actually started to make it to market, the Association of Licensed Automobile Dealers formed a cartel around the patent. The authors say, if you were wondering why the U.S. automobile industry developed so quickly into the oligopoly we know and hate, a fair share of the roots lie in bad intellectual property legislation and the intellectual monopoly that it created. Uh, he says that the authors make a statement I wish could be more prominent since it comports with everything I know about business people and patents. It's the most common thing in the world for a business person to use every market-oriented skill to get a product to market. A good product at a good price, and that becomes the market leader. At this point, and for some odd reason, the business person gets confused. He thinks that it's... that. He thinks that it's his IP that is the key to his success and ends up fighting for it with all his might, even at his own expense. They say being a monopolist is apparently akin to going on drugs or joining some strange religious sect. It seems to lead to a complete loss of any sense of what profitable opportunities are and of how free markets function. Monopolists apparently can conceive of only one way of making money, and that is bullying consumers and competitors to put up or shut up. 
Furthermore, it also appears to mean... You know, that there's a lot of evidence with that uh, as, as far as the uh, the RIAA and the music industry. Mm. The MPAA, I think is what it is. Yeah, uh, you bet. You know, the, the fact is they'll go after their customers for downloading, uh, potential customers and customers for downloading music off the Internet. And it doesn't seem to matter to the to them at all whether you bought the CD, just that you downloaded some, um, some music. The authors point out that another example concerns Google Print. This work of genius would have brought all of the world's libraries to one central location so that users could search those books and then purchase them. Wonderful. But then the Authors Guild sued, and the suit has gutted Google Print as a useful tool. As a result of the monopoly privilege, we all suffer. 800-259-9231. Hour 2 is coming up. You bring up what you want. Guns. We'll talk that coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that's freetalklive.com. So we sold our all night long last night. I kept mentioning that we were going to do a gun regulation story. We never got to it. So here it is from Washington, D.C. Mark, what is it that they have planned for us now? Good news. With H.R. 45, Bla- <laughs> Blair Holt's Firearm Licensing and Record of Sale Act 2009. It's introduced in the House. That's why it has an H.R. in front of it. Mm, okay. um, from uh, World Net Daily. U.S. Representative Bobby Rush, Democrat from Illinois, the bastion of liberty that is Illinois. Am I detecting sarcasm? Yeah. Okay. Is hoping to pass a firearm licensing bill that will significantly rewrite, rewrite gun ownership. It's Elmer Fudd's reading the news. We write uh, gun ownership laws in America. Among the mo- more controversial posi- provisions of the bill are requirements that all handgun owners submit to the federal government a photo, thumbprint. Oh Medical health re- mental mental medical health records. Further, the bill would order that the attorney general to establish a database of every handgun sale, transfer, and owner's address in America. That's worked out really well in the past. Yep, gun databases, gun owner databases, right? Isn't yep. that what Hitler did? I, I believe I believe that they yeah they, they checked that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bill claims to. Well, of uh, course, it'll be different this time, right? Because well, it's not Hitler. The bill claims its purpose is to protect the public against unreasonable risk of injury and death associated oh, with yes, the unrecorded sale or transfer of firearms to criminals and youth. Now, Not- wait a minute. Now, hold on a second. Point of clarification. I don't know if it's even addressed in your story here, but what I'm curious about is, is this going to be retroactive in that all gun owners will have to submit a photo to the federal government, or is it only those who purchase guns from that or, point forward? Or transfer them? I mean, if <laughs> it's... It's kind of unusual for, I don't know, I mean, a lot of people buy guns and then continue to buy guns. They like different guns. They want different things. They collect them. They do Mm -hmm. whatever. I I suppose there are people out there that have bought their gun for, for, you know, for their lifetime, and they're going to just hold on to it. But either way, this is going to affect a lot of people. That's true. 
Not to get uh, too excited, this is just another feel-good bill thrown, uh, thrown out to make the congressman look good to his gun-grabber constituents. Still, it's a harbinger of tomorrow's federal legislation. Legislation, If passed, the bill would make it illegal to own or possess a qualifying far- firearm defined as any handgun or any sub-semi-automatic firearm that takes an ammunition clip without a Blair Holt license. To obtain a Blair Holt license, an application must be made that includes the photo address and all previous aliases, thumbprint, completion of a written firearm, safety test, release of mental health records to the attorney general, These are the and proposals. the fee not to exceed $25. Of course, you've got to get the mental health records, the safety test. Yeah. The, you know, the <laughs> Further, the bill makes it illegal to transfer ownership of a qualifying firearm to anyone who is not licensed gun dealer mm. or a collector. Yeah. So you can't just sell your gun. Me, I can't just sell a gun to you. Apparently. Wow. Is that it? That, but did you need anything else? I don't know. I, for all I know, there's more to it. You That's to, pretty crazy. You want me to read the Second Amendment real quick to you? Yeah, yeah sure. Let's it's, get a little recap here. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Does this sound like an infringement to your right to bear arms? Well, apparently what they meant, Mark, was the right of the government people in that paragraph. Um, that might have been the intention of the Founding Fathers. With that, They just forgot to put the word government in front of people because clearly they will not be infringing upon the government workers' uh, rights to carry firearms. They will not have any problems acquiring and using their weapons. No. It's just the rest of us little folk. The rest of us serfs. And I think this well, is I can disgusting. Tell you that, yeah, it's just absolutely disgusting. However, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that many of the uh, you know, the, the guys, the, the the boots on the street here, the the police officers that would be required to enforce this law mm-hmm. if they were to do their jobs, you know, as as they're described, are the ones that you know are pro- probably the most pro firearm out there. You know, many a police, lot of cops are definitely yeah. in favor of firearms. <laughs> many police want. People to be able to own weapons. Many some, them, are, some don't. Some ma- are authoritarian. Many of them are just scared, terrified of uh, the citizenry owning guns and carrying guns. But you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough place to be to be a pro liberty cop when something like that these comes laws? down. That's true. You know, I saw something today, Mark, that uh, here in New Hampshire, there's some sort of bill that's been proposed that will essentially opt New Hampshire out of the union if some sort of gun legislation comes through like this. Have you heard of this piece I of have legislation? Uh, I, I believe it's been introduced here for 2009. I don't know how successful it will be, uh, but nonetheless, you I know, love the concept. Demo- Democrat-controlled House, Democrat-controlled Senate, and Democrat-controlled Governor's right, Office. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be too successful, but I do love the idea of the basically setting down some ground rules to say, okay, looky here, feds, if you cross this line, we're out, and of course I'd rather the I'd rather them just say we're out. But I do, you know, I'm all in favor of the idea of saying, okay, we're drawing a line in the sand, and if you'd cross it, when then New Hampshire secedes. And one of those lines in the sand is gun gun registration and more increase, another increase in federal gun regulation. Any increase in federal gun regulation would be something that would result in secession. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll it's, certainly. It's kind of a backdoor, and, and to me, the only way that secession would ever happen, um, because I just I just don't see secession as a viable option. I, I'm for it, but I'm entirely for it, but I just don't see a legislator, a state legislature, uh, even New Hampshire's. I, I can't see it in the foreseeable future saying, yeah, we vote to get out. Now, maybe if the uh, federal government becomes so, uh, you know, just riddled with disease from its uh, fiat currency. Maybe. How much more does it need to have happen? Well, it, currently, it's the largest military the world has ever known. You know, the world's still a world uh, reserve currency. What else can currency. they do? 
Well, anyway, so this is what they're planning. Now, look, it's just another proposed piece of legislation, so there is the chance that this won't pull through. There's a good chance. Wait, the gun registration? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant the gun, uh, the gun thing in Washington. Mm-hmm. So there's still a chance that the gun regulations will fail, but... I wouldn't say it's a very good chance that they'll fail. It seems to me that their odds are really good this piece of legislation could very well come to pass. Um, you know, maybe not today and maybe not exactly in this form. Uh, they, you know, people don't seem to think this one's going through. But people are scared of their guns getting taken away under Obama. And mm-hmm. I don't think that it's completely an unfounded uh, fear. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the first step. I mean, the, history has shown it wasn't just Hitler. All kinds of despots have had gun registration programs prior to going around and confiscating them. I mean, that's what the that's the most useful part of having a gun registry is, is yep. you know where all the gun owners live. That's the reason for or it. Or at least all the ones that told you about it, which is pretty much all the so-called law-abiding people. And really, that's the problem here, isn't it? The problem is Americans' willingness to abide by whatever rules, whatever absurdities are handed down from on high. If Americans weren't so damn docile and so obedient, which is, by the way, what they've been trained to be by the government education system. It's not the history of this country, I can assure you of that. If Americans weren't so damned obedient and so pathetic, then registration, uh, legislation like this wouldn't even have a chance of seeing the light of day because the federal government would know they wouldn't be able to get away with it. It, Wouldn't it be nice if we had a situation where the where the government looked at an an idea like government field looked at an idea like this and just said, well, we know the Americans aren't going to go along with this, so throw that out. Well, I think Uh, that what we should have is a uh, the government looking at a bill like this and saying, who wrote this? We're trying them for treason. That's you know, The Constitution well, nice. says the right to keep a bare arm shall not be infringed. This is clearly an infringement. Now you're really this, talking about this fantasy, This person sir. needs to go to jail. Yeah, that's a real fantasy land idea. But yes, it would be nice. Uh, so 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Mike in Ottawa. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hi, Ian. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, this thing about the gun registry. Yeah, scary stuff, huh? We had the same thing in Canada a couple of years ago. Really? But they abandoned it because of the cost. Why? Was it so costly? Well, apparently we have more guns per capita than any country in the world. Hmm. I wouldn't doubt it. And that, well, they, you know, well, why was it costly though? They're getting registration fees and stuff. Well, they couldn't cover their costs. What is the big issue with you guys holding handguns? What's the issue? I don't with, get it. With a United States people, I've read somewhere before that you're five thousand times more likely to be killed by your family doctor from a wrong prescription than be killed by a handgun. I'm not sure what you mean by the big issue. And well, he, he, when he says you guys, he means uh, the, the legislators. Oh. I have read your constitution. I have read the whatever. I'll bring me. you back. We can keep talking about this. Hang on. 800-259-9231. What is the big issue? Well, I certainly have no issue with it. Carry all the guns you want to. It's your business. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your thoughts on mandatory federal gun registration at Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website, going back for an entire year, totally free. At freetalklive.com. That again, freetalklive.com. Plus, join Free Talk Live for the upcoming New Hampshire Liberty Forum. We're talking about guns 
and gun rights and uh, the, the fact that the federal government is looking at um, some sort of mandatory crazy gun registration thing with uh, where you have to submit a picture and a mental health check and all kinds of nonsense in order to purchase and or trade firearms or sell firearms. And that's really bad. I, uh, it's really bad news. So if one of the things you're concerned with in life is the ability to keep and bear arms. You really need to take a hard look at the Free State Project. The Free State Project is a movement of thousands of liberty-loving people, and not not just people who are into guns, but people who love the idea of freedom. And of uh, in that category, there are certainly people that guns are their are their main number one issue. Uh, these are people that are getting together in New Hampshire. They're moving. They're picking up their lives. They're moving their uh, their family uh, and themselves to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty, to ensure that we can have liberty in our lifetime and move in the right direction instead of continually moving down the path toward tyranny. So I think a lot of people in the Free State Project are definitely going to share your concerns on this gun issue. In fact, one of those people is Richard Heller. Now, you may recall, Richard Heller was the man that filed the lawsuit against Washington, D.C. and their handgun ban, and he actually had a Supreme Court ruling in his favor, sort of, over the last year in uh, the summer of 2008. Richard Heller is going to be the keynote speaker at this year's 2009 Liberty Forum. It's happening the first weekend in March, the 5th through the 8th, in Nashua, New Hampshire, at the Crown Plaza Hotel. You can get all the details on the event at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Now, Mr. Heller is just one of a bevy of speakers covering a variety of topics, uh, but he's one of the certainly one of the most prominent, and he's also a Free State Project member. So not only is Richard Heller a big name, but he's also a Free Stater, so he'll be moving to New Hampshire and getting active for freedom up here. Uh, so you can see him speak as well as a whole bunch of other people. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting from the Liberty Forum every single night. And so we look forward to using that opportunity to meet you. And you will use that opportunity to meet all kinds of interesting people, not just Richard Heller but and all of the other various different speakers that will be there, but the hundreds of liberty-loving people, many of whom already live in New Hampshire, many of whom are uh, considering a move to New Hampshire. And you're going to have that opportunity to network with those folks and have a good time, enjoy dinners and lunches and uh, after-hours parties and panel discussions. It's a blast. It's the best Liberty Convention I've ever been to. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get registered and use our discount code if you want to save 10%. That code is 2009FTL. That's 2009FTL to save yourself 10% on the 2009 Liberty Forum at Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We continue here uh, with your phone calls. Mike dropped off from Canada. But he was asking about why it is that this is going on in the United States. Why do you guys let this? I mean, uh, this is my recollection. Oh, it's really going on in Canada too. I mean, <laughs> but he said they had to abandon the gun registration program in Canada it's because too expensive. They, couldn't, they couldn't fund it. I'm not sure why. I mean, you can always just print they out tried more money. It. The feds can always print out more money, so I'm not sure why they would have to abandon. I can guarantee you, the federal government isn't going to abandon this program in the United States. That's just that's just not their style. They don't, it doesn't matter how badly one of their programs is failing. <laughs> they'll just keep it going. They'll increase funding, uh, and they'll print out whatever money's necessary in order to keep it going. So, uh, so why is it that people keep putting up with this? That's a good question. Why is it that Americans are so docile and so pathetic? Well, we'd love you uh, love to have you answer that. I would point to government schools uh, as the major uh, the major source of this docility problem. But let's go to your calls and see what you think. And talk to Phil, listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson, Virginia. Hello, Phil. Hi, how y'all doing tonight? Just super, Good, Phil. What's on your mind? Um, I was listening to the guy from Canada, and he was asking, you know, why this is going on in our country. And I remember towards the end of the break, he said, you know, I've read your constitution and so forth, and. 
um, I think what he fails to realize, and maybe he's hearing me when I say this, is that a lot of the liberals in this country, people on the left, and even a lot of people in the center, see a lot of that, that social democratic, I guess they call it, uh, style of government, which is a heavier government influence. It's very interventionist, kind of like how Canada was for a long time, and they're starting to get away from that, uh, as the right way to go. You know, government will protect you, government will take care of you, government will do everything for you. And and to do that, they need control. And how do you take, how do you take control? You take away the people's uh, ability to defend themselves. And, and I think that's one of the biggest ways uh, the government's looking to take some control and be able to say, okay, we're going to protect you, we're going to do everything for you, but you have to give up your guns, you have to give up your uh, good, a large portion of your paycheck, and so on and so forth, and I'm the, seeing a lot of that. Yeah, the people that uh, uh, like big government sure hate guns. You know, I they see, don't mind them in the hands of uh, their their guys, but right. uh, when it comes to the average citizen, who no, they don't like that. Hey, Phil, I see where you're coming from and what it is that you're saying, but let's be fair here. Uh, they all want the government to take care of you and interfere in your life. Not just the liberals, but also the so-called, you know, conservatives, the the right side of the big government aisle. They're all on the big same big government. They're two basically two sides of the same big government coin. Because if it were true that the Republicans had any interest in rolling back the size of the state, they would have done so when they had total control over the uh, over the, uh, the the Congress and the presidency, and they didn't. They inc- instead increased the size of the state dramatically and they increased the intrusiveness and they increased totally the agree. oppression so i just yeah. wanted to make sure we're playing fair yeah. here i you know and you're absolutely right i mean and, I, and I, let's be honest uh that happened a lot over the last eight years where all of a sudden you couldn't really tell the difference between the two parties yeah. but you will uh, be able to really... tell the difference now and i yeah. watch watch this one closely because what you're going to see is the republicans that are now out of power essentially are going to come out strong in favor of gun rights in uh, in opposition to this they'll be talking up a good game just like they did in the you know the mid-1990s and they'll be out there uh, banging that oh, yeah. small government platform again and they'll be saying please forgive us republican followers we uh we were wrong we were misled. The taste of power just got to us, and we've found our principles again. Re-elect us in 2012, and we'll roll all this back. I don't even think they'll mention uh, their, what they did in uh, the 2000 to 2006. They'll, they'll just, just yeah. expect Americans to forget it, and that's they true. will. Yeah, you're probably right I, about I, that. I'll tell you what I agree, and that's actually why uh, in the past two years I became so fed up. I mean, I was, I was a Republican, you know, because I was a small government conservative, but I got so fed up with it that I actually became a, a libertarian myself. Like I, I'm going to uh, point something out to you. I live in, I, I'm originally from uh, D.C. in the Maryland area, which is very heavily liberal, uh, very big government area. Mm-hmm. And now I live out in small town Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and granted, compared to many states, Virginia's gun laws are actually very nice. But why is it that in the areas in which, and let's be honest, I would need a gun to protect my home, you can't get one. You know, out here in Virginia, where in most places in Virginia, you know, crime rate is very low, and there's not a lot of violent crime, I can go out and get a gun wherever I want. The answer yeah, is... The answer is the state. I mean, the, the reality exactly. is in, in cities, the government is bigger and more intrusive, and uh, that's just how it is across the country, and you're absolutely uh, dead on in your, in your analysis. Quick question. If this gun registration bill comes to pass, will you obey? Uh, I'm not going to obey. I'm going to have to dig up a hole and put them in my uh, backyard and 
and leave them there for a little while. Well, if you don't register them, then they probably won't know they exist in the first place. It's going to require people to step out and actually make an effort to obey, at least it sounds like, unless they've got records that lead to you. I don't know. Who knows? Thank you for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Will you obey? It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. That's Shrine. .freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. If doing business right now is uh, taking too much of your time as far as accounts receivable goes, turn it over to SACL CAI. You can get back to doing the things that you got into business in the first place for SACL CAI. 800-259-9231, continuing with your phone calls about what you want. We go to Paul in California on the amp line. Hello, Paul. Hey, Ian and Mark. How's it hey, going? Paul, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just had a conversation with a police officer. Okay. And normally, this is generally the beginning of a not-so-good story. But uh, he uh, approached me because I had been talking to him. He works security detail at a large uh, building uh, for a large organization. And uh, I have been, he was unusually polite and nice uh, for a police officer. So I've, I've been kind of cultivating a, a conversation with him, and I started talking to him about the ideas of liberty. Anyway, I just talked to him, and I found out why he got on to this guard detail. It seems that he told, he had, he had uh, been assigned to the field, and it seems he told his who had been uh, complaining that he has not been making enough arrests. And he replied, well, Sergeant, with all due respect, can you tell me which arrests that I didn't make that were justified? <laughs> and, and he just told this guy, look, I'm not going to arrest people just for the sake of arresting them. I'm going to arrest people only because it serves my community. And so this is the kind of they part. punished him for that. Yeah, well, they took you. They they gave him some some crap duty, which I don't know. It doesn't look like bad duty to me. <laughs> it looks fairly comfortable. But well, yeah, but it, it you, could, you can be pretty relatively sure he's not going to get the promotions. Uh, you know, when when they come around. Yep. Yep, that may be true. But uh, I'm just very impressed with this guy, and I just thought I'd let you know that not every new uh, he's a fairly young guy. Not every new police officer is the gung ho. Let's uh, you know, let's string them up because uh, we can. Uh, school of thought. It's so, true. Uh, there I'm are very... some good ones out there, but unfortunately, I believe that I believe that the majority of them are not good. Personally, that's just the co the conclusion I've drawn over time. Um, I, oh, I, I won't I, argue with you, and I'm yeah. just saying that it's been refreshing to meet one. 
That's actually got their head screwed on straight. You know what would be more refreshing would be to meet some of those guys if they were actually administrators of police departments. That would be pretty uh, refreshing. I mean, it's it's nice to have the little guys in the bottom that are okay, because you know, certainly that's going to result in some innocent people not being harmed when they otherwise might have been by a sadist, for instance, or uh, you know some power freak. Uh, but if you've got a, a sicko, a power freak guy running the department, then... Good cops like that end up getting punished, and that's a tragedy. And I thank you for the call, Paul. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I believe that up here in New Hampshire, the cops are generally a cut above, at least down from Florida, um, from whence I or from where I come, or whence, yeah, from whence I come. Uh, well, it's down not in from whence, it's whence it's I come. It's whence I come, you're right. From is redundant there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, so I believe that the New Hampshire cops are a, a little bit better uh, but all that said, I'm sure there are plenty of bad apples up here too. It, it's the, the sort of the structure doesn't really you know foster people to be responsible. You you, you hope that the the good ones got in for the right reason and and that they've stayed good. Toll free number eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And wait, I'd like to see all that change. I mean, it's easy to sit here and. I've got so many bad cop stories that are lined up in my email box. I could go for the whole next hour and just give you nothing but we bad could go cop for the stories. next week. Uh, but, you know, obviously we've tried to talk about different things on this program. But obviously I'd like to see these things change. I'd like to see the police doing the right thing. We talked about this last night, that all they have to do to be left alone by the activists is to start doing the right thing. And hopefully the activist pressure will become so much eventually here in New Hampshire that they actually will start doing the right thing. I think we we will see those changes over time. And many many police here in New Hampshire would like to see that to be the case. You betcha. Absolutely. It's just that they're afraid to say anything about what they'd like to see because they're worried about retaliation on the de- on the department's part, on the part of the administration. And it's a realistic concern. Just like that guy was uh, placed on that crappy duty. I mean, re- re- retaliation is very real. There's uh, there's a cop here, uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but there's a cop up here in New Hampshire who's been reading the, the just reading through the New Hampshire laws to see if he can legally speak out whilst on duty. And he's come to the conclusion that it looks like he has protected speech while he is actually an active part of the law enforcement uh, bureaucracy. So it sounds like he will be able to speak out while he's on duty, which apparently was a concern for him because he was worried that the department was going to retaliate against him. And it turns out if they do retaliate against him, then he might actually have an actionable case against them for the retaliation. So My understanding is chief is pretty good. Yeah, I understand that too, but all that said, it's it's still a very chilling atmosphere for a cop that wants to speak out against some of the things that the department is doing. Very chilling. And so I can understand why those guys are very cautious about speaking out. 800-259-9231. Uh, so, you know what, Mark? We've talked about the Campaign for Liberty before on this show, and we've talked about how – this is, by the way, for those that don't know, Ron Paul – Made a real big splash, obviously, in the the primary election back in 2008, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people that were paying attention to his campaign, and he had millions of dollars that he raised, amazingly, on the internet without even really lifting a finger. And did uh, all kinds of uh, records as far as raising money. Yeah, it was amazing. It had never been done before. Right, especially amongst any sort of liberty-oriented candidate. It's funny to hear people call in and say they never had a chance. I mean, that Ron Paul had yeah, never had like a he raised more money than... 
you know, anybody, anytime or something like that. I don't know. what the, I can't even remember what the records were, but it was amazing. But when the campaign was over, he still had money left over because, you know, that's how Ron Paul is. He just is a real conservative kind of guy and he didn't spend what he earned. Uh, so he rolled some of that money, as I understood it, into an organization called the Campaign for Liberty, which is a, a group of mostly young Ron Paul fans that have uh, decided to continue on in the uh, the name of Ron Paul and kind of the spirit of of Ron Paul and uh, some much much smaller government principles and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we've been we've been critical of the campaign for liberty on this show. Yep. Not and not super critical, but you know the things that I would have liked to have seen done differently in some well, cases. Right. I mean, we're, there are a lot of liberty-oriented organizations that don't get mentioned on this show. The Campaign for Liberty got mentioned and got criticized because they were the new kid on the block, basically. Mm-hmm. And essentially, our critique was that the Campaign for Liberty hadn't really discerned themselves, uh, differentiated themselves or themselves from the other liberty-oriented organizations and think tanks and activist groups out there. Like, there wasn't anything that I was seeing as far as the Campaign for Liberty that was too exciting to me as an activist. Like, mm-hmm. okay, why are these guys special? What are they doing with their millions of dollars? Why is this such a great organization? And I'm not here to crow um, too much about them tonight, but I do want to give them credit where credit's due. Yeah, especially like, if we've been critical. I mean, yeah, you know, it makes sense to be to give credit. It looks like they have actually come up with a decent idea. Because up until this point, all they've really been doing is putting some things up on their blog and encouraging people to call their uh, representatives on certain issues, which is no different than what most other activism organizations out there do across the spectrum. Right. Um, And it was actually they did a poorer job than most of the activist groups because most of the activist groups paid for some sort of software on their website that makes it easy to contact representatives, you know, like DC.org. They don't have that at the Campaign for Liberty, and so I'm not sure what they're spending their money on. But they did come up with something decent, and it is what they are calling the Mass Action – one of their Mass Action Days. It's their first one, uh, and it's going to be happening on February 1st, uh, which apparently they are going to – their plan is – and I, I guess they're not really going to do this on February 1st but, – but their plan is to have a day where all of these Ron Paulite kind of folk, smaller government people – will call talk shows across America. It's not a bad idea. And plug their organization, plug the Campaign for Liberty, as well as talk, you know, they've got talking points. And I want to get into a little bit of detail on this, because one part is particularly interesting. Uh, We'll get to that here in moments. And take your calls about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. your show and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231 that's the SACL CAI toll-free line and it's Ian here with you and Julia and Mark join us on our website at freetalklive.com the features are completely free so enjoy those including uh, the updates and more we give it all away at freetalklive.com if you like this show and you want to help support free talk live you can become a free talk live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Great way to get behind the program and help us get this show on more radio stations and expand out to more ears on the Internet. Amp.freetalklive.com. Julia joining us a little late, but uh, better late than never. Always good to have you here. 1-800-259-9231. We were talking about, to bring you up to speed, the, uh, the Campaign for Liberty, this organization that was spawned from the Ron Paul campaign, was, from my understanding, funded by some of the money that was left over 
in the Ron Paul campaign. And obviously, Ron Paul had a lot of uh, activists behind him. He had a lot of people that were willing to put in effort behind his uh, his campaign. And so hopefully some of that has transitioned over to the Campaign for Liberty. But it's been relatively lackluster uh, ever since they had done their convention, which they remember that when they had the Ron Paul convention across the street or whatever from the Republican convention, right. essentially competing with the Republican convention. And they really did a great I believe they did a great job. With yeah, that I think that's a great idea. And from everything I heard. And so that was kind of their uh, that was their their apex or their zenith, if you will, uh, for the, the election season. But ever since then, all they've really been doing is just posting things to their blog, you know, a couple of the occasional action items. And they didn't really make it too easy to take action on the things they wanted people to take action on. And so I was. I was less than um, excited about the Campaign for Liberty, and I can't say I'm too jazzed up about them now, but I will give them credit. They've come up with an interesting idea, and I think it's an idea that other liberty activism groups like the Free State Project should consider because the Free State Project is obviously a much more powerful idea than the Campaign for Liberty, at least in my opinion. But here's what they have. Uh, pro- here's what they are proposing. Uh, they are proposing a mass action day, which they're saying this will be the first one, which means presumably they will do more of such things. Maybe they will do different mass actions on other days into the future. But for a first idea, this is pretty decent. Uh, they're talking about how National Freedom Day will be their, uh, their backdrop. Apparently, February 1st is National Freedom Day, and so they're using that as their excuse to call up a bunch of talk shows uh, around the country and make certain points. So what they've done here, and, and this is pretty well put together, so credit especially on how they handled this, what they did was they put together a, two uh, PDF documents and they sent out an email announcing this to their whole email list. So I got a copy of this because I'm on their list. And they give you links to the PDFs in there. One of the PDFs is a list of talking points that you can use to discuss various different uh, liberty-oriented positions on issues you know, civil liberties and the war and foreign po- foreign policy, the economy. You and name it. Yeah. And so they go – there's like a four-page document, and there's some good points in there, of course, about how it is that less government would be a good idea in all of these areas. And so credit to them for that, for putting it all together, getting the talking points written down. Uh, and also the other PDF document is a list of – a whole page full of national talk shows, uh, national syndicated talk shows. If Free Talk Live isn't on there, but probably the reasons for that are obvious. Um, yeah, they, they, we're, we're either not, we're as, not big enough or they already know that there's no point in calling and talking about smaller government with having us. Having us agree with everything they say. Right. So, so brilliant. I mean, what a great idea. You're giving the activists the tools they need to do the activism right there in the email. Here are the phone numbers. Here are the show, the show names. Here are the, the actual the air times that they're live. So a full list of uh, talk shows for America. I mean, that alone is a pretty useful little PDF. For, forward that to me so I could use it to, to swipe advertisers. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but but really, I mean, it's a great idea because you're putting the tools in the hands of the activists. You're essentially giving them the instructions they need to carry it out. And it's going to be a coordinated thing, which I think is a neat idea, where all of these people are intended to call on the same day to these talk shows. So the more callers you have calling these shows, the more likely one of them is going to get through the call screener and actually make it on the air and be able to... In this case, what they want them to do is make some of these pro-freedom points and mention the campaign for liberty. 
So I think it's a great idea. Russia's right? going to be t- uh, going to be tough to get on. Uh, his call screeners are just ruthless. He doesn't take that many calls. But there's so many other shows out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they, and again, they have the the full list of various different shows across the country. And I'm only talking about the nationally syndicated ones. Obviously, local talk shows are not listed on this list. So I love the idea, and I think it's something that other liberty-oriented groups should borrow. I think they should take this list of talk shows and use that to do their own national day of action to reach out for whatever issue it is they're looking to reach out for, whether it's a marijuana prohibition or it's talking about the uh, the Free State Project. Lower which, taxes. Yeah, whatever. And and so I think this would work really well for the Free State Project. And, and one of the reasons why I'm not so excited about I'm not going to participate in the Campaign for Liberty version of this. I will not participate in it because I don't after looking through their list of talking points, I've really gotten a feel for what these folks are about, I think. And maybe I'm wrong about this. I know they want to get uh, the small government viewpoint back into this discussion nationally, and I appreciate that. I know that's one of the things that they're about. But the very last section of their National Freedom Day PDF here, the talking points that I was telling you about, is about the Republican Party. And they're talking about how if the Republicans want any future, they need to abandon their current policies of big government, high spending, corporate welfare, etc., etc. They can't be a credible alternative to the Democrats if they propose to run the country the same way. Republicans have lost credibility with their rhetoric about limiting the size of government. We need to get back to our roots. Well, sorry, I'm not included in that we. I'm not interested in reforming the Republican Party. I'm not interested in spending time lobbying to change the political system that is currently established. I mean, I'm not interested in Washington, in, especially in Washington, especially I'm not interested in reclaiming the libertarian party. I believe that it would be a waste of time and effort, a tremendous waste. And I think that it would be an even greater waste to spend that uh, kind of time and effort on a more, much more established old school party like the Republicans. But yet here's the, uh, the campaign for Liberty saying that they need to breathe new life into the party. Uh, the conservative movement must embrace Austrian economics, Ron Paul, and the campaign for liberty. And then I agree, promote. but uh, I, I agree that that's what they need to do. I just don't. I just don't trust them. I, I, I just don't trust the, poli- the the Republican politicians. They had their shot in my lifetime, and now you want me to start voting for you again? I, I don't know. I'm offended. Aren't these the same guys, the Campaign for Liberty crew, the Ron Paul Republicans? Aren't these the same people who tried to go to the Republican Party state conventions in 2008 and use their powers of numbers to take over? Don't you remember the stories, Mark, where they went in and they had their microphones turned off and they were prevented from coming in and they had their bags searched by the FBI in some cases? I mean, the the entire Republican establishment did everything they could to fight against having any influence coming from these Campaign for Liberty folks. And here they are saying, well, we just need to increase the Campaign for Liberty and, and retake the Republican well, Party. You know, I'm thinking about it, there are... I, I, I would be willing to vote for certain Republicans, like new ones, um, as opposed to the old ones that have made the mistakes. I, I'm not quite ready to forgive the old ones. I might be f- willing to forgive some old ones that were pretty good on some issues if they learned their lesson. Like, say, for, say for instance, Sununu. I come back to this guy on a regular basis. He was number one rated in the Senate, uh, but he voted for the bailout. And as a result, I couldn't vote for him. He I also just, voted for a bunch of crap like the Patriot Act before that, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. he's not a 
great guy or he's anything. Bad news. He's, he's not he's not fabulous, but he's you know he's ninety percent, eighty five percent on the Republican Liberty Caucus's rating schedule. Obviously, that uh, leaves fifteen percent of the time he really stinks. So. You know, I, I would be willing to look at a guy like that 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 was only has to move fifteen percent. I'm not really lo- willing to look at a guy who has to move forty. So, what was your point in in regards to that? I, so, some of the some Republicans out there, I suppose, I could be convinced. Uh, you know, have have found their way to liberty and the ideas and that kind of thing, but many of them I I can't. Well, right, and and what is surprising to me about this is these people have already been rebuffed by the party establishment. They've already had their faces slapped, and they've been told, "Get the hell out of here. We don't want to have anything." So, to what do you do recommend with they you. do? Well, I recommend that they uh, join the Free State Project and come up here because I think that's the only. Oh, many of them are Free State Project members, and uh, maybe, some, maybe they're probably waiting for the twenty thousand or something like that. I don't know if many of them are or aren't. I think a lot of the people. It's my impression, Mark. Based I just on, called Cato today and uh, you know got a hold of a, a gal that said, "Yeah, the guy d- down the office there, he's a Free State Project member too." Great. Well, Cato are people that have been in, at this for a long time. I get the impression that a lot of the people involved in the campaign for Liberty are essentially political newbies who do not understand what it is that they. Uh, uh, you know all of the things that have come before. They don't understand how established this uh, this particular party that they're trying to retake absolutely is, and how difficult this process is going to be for them. They're going to throw effort, and they're going to throw time and money at trying to retake this Republican Party, and it's going it's going to be an abject failure. Now, if I'm proven wrong, certainly I'll uh, be the first to admit it, but. <laughs> I think it's going to be an, an almost insurmountable task to take over the Libertarian Party again with liberty-minded people. I'm not interested in that, let alone the Republicans. Would love your thoughts at 800-259-9231. You want to take over the Democrats while you're at it? Free talk. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Your call's about what you want. We go to Eddie in Florida. Eddie, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey, what's up, Ian? Uh, so my mind. question is... Uh, Say that I polluted the lake that you owned, all right? That you would be polluted a lake, okay. Right? That would be like what? your lake on your property. Yeah, what that about? would be a form of aggression, right? I would say so. It's certainly uh, you okay. damaged my property. All right. So what if I do it in a more indirect way? I mean, you know, with the opportunities we have not to pollute, you know, the recycling program in Hillsborough County is really good. If not taking small steps to not pollute, is that a form of aggression? What, what do you mean? Uh, I don't know, like uh, recycling bottles and cans and paper and stuff like Wait that. Wait a second. Uh, what are bottles made out of? Glass. Uh, okay. What, what what is glass made out of? Sand. Are you sh- running short on sand in uh, Hillsborough County? No, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know the energy that goes into it. Or take a wait, but hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Do you don't, they don't do like they used to, like uh, with Coke bottles. They don't wash them out and use the same things again. Um, glass recycling, dumb. Plastic recycling, useless. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What about what about paper, though? <clears throat> also what, useless. What are, they, what are they made out of? Trees. 
Uh-huh. Any shortage of trees? No. Well, what about the chemicals you have to use to mill the paper? What about that? Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. You have to use chemicals in order to re-bleach the paper to make it to use yeah, it again, true. don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, have All you right. seen the goopy, well, nasty stuff well, you know, that goes into this? It's actually, here's what I would recommend you do. Uh, go, if you are online at all, go to Google Video and look for Penn & Teller's BS. I can't actually tell you what BS stands for. You'll have to figure that out. Uh, but if you go and look for that, there is an episode about recycling, and I believe it is available free on either Google Video or YouTube or something like that. And it's one of those eye-opening, shocking uh, videos because we've all come to believe, based on government's propaganda that's been shoved down our throats since, uh, at least for for me, since probably elementary school, uh, we've all come to believe that recycling is a feel-good thing that uh, you know helps the earth and uh, blah blah blah. When in point of fact, uh, in most cases, recycling is an actual waste of resources. It's a net waste. Uh, in the except with there, with very few exceptions, aluminum cans being one. Exception. There's sometimes just some things you can do. For instance, newspaper. Make really great insulation. No reason why you shouldn't be using paper for insulation. But there's only so much insulation that's needed. And should an industry like, you know, the the, the cellulose industry that uses uh, these things for insulation, should they be able to require someone to recycle, which is essentially what's happening now? To help their business, you mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Something to think about, huh? Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, my whole thing is uh, I was discussing it with a friend, and she's, you know, into the whole global warming thing. And my point was it doesn't really matter to me if if it exists or not. I just don't believe in, you know, the government using force to make people do it. But if you want to do it on your own, well, that's fine. Well, Uh, if you look at recycling on its own without government force involved... You'll see that, as I as I mentioned, uh, recycling aluminum is economically viable. So there is incentive for people to recycle aluminum. I remember when I used to live down in Sarasota, there was this guy that would uh, g- would essentially he had one of those little chair things. It wasn't a wheelchair necessarily, but it was like a motorized scooter. Kind yeah, of thing. And so he would sort of scoot himself around the neighborhoods on trash day and go through people's trash cans or recycling bins and pull the aluminum cans out, take those aluminum cans to some sort of recycling center so he could get money to buy his cigarettes with or whatever it was he was buying. Uh, right, with the because money. he can't have a real job because, of course, the government is giving him some kind of subsidy but not enough to live on. But my point was that there is enough of a financial incentive in aluminum cans for that guy to go and spend his days looking for aluminum cans, whereas with plastic bottles and with uh, paper and these other things, it's just not there. Otherwise, he'd have been snatching papers and plastic bottles, but he was only taking aluminum cans. So in the absence of government coercion, the marketplace will decide what is worthwhile to recycle and what is not. And all of the rest of everything can go into a landfill, which is not pollution in any way. Right, and and the fact is these recycle people don't like landfills. They're scared to death of them, and 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 landfills... It's poppycock. You know, they, they can do some Fine. really nice stuff with these things afterwards and uh, turn them into golf courses and neighborhoods. I don't know if I'd want to live in a used landfill, but... You, you probably are. Um, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you probably, probably are. The Indians tossed all kinds of stuff um, around there in the Hillsborough <laughs> area. I mean... Yeah, well, and you wouldn't know about it necessarily. Um, I remember in the Penn & Teller episodes, this is one of the things they address is the landfill situation and people's concerns about them. And the reality is the businesses that do that for a living have done a fine job of dealing with uh, that garbage and covering it up and uh, allowing it to turn into sediment all over again or whatever. And 
It all and, came from the earth, man. Yeah, and oh. they build and they, they put trees and things like that on top, and they've made some wonderful uh, parks. You, yeah, and, parks and, and housing developments and all kinds of things, and it doesn't smell like you're living in a dump, believe it or not. Well, hey, Ian, can I ask you uh, one more quick question? I'll take the answer off the air. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, I'm going uh, camping next weekend, and I was wondering if uh, maybe a caller or you could uh, direct me on how to make pot brownies. Pot brownies. Uh, Julia I, can help. Yeah, I would advise either going to the BBS or perhaps sending me an email later, and we can discuss that. Because I may well, know someone who knows how to make pot brownies well, really well. On, Julia. I mean, why can't we give a little, a few tips here? Am I allowed to? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's okay. public information, right? You can go to arrowid.org. Well, I didn't know if that was inappropriate to talk about on the radio. But basically, the key to making pot brownies is in the butter. And so the, the, it's actually really simple. You don't even need a recipe. If you take a stick of butter and yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of weed, basically, um, if you want to make a smaller batch of, of things, cookies or brownies, you could use less weed and less butter. But Yeah. Well, uh, can I ask you, Julia? Sure. Like an ounce to one stick of butter? Would that be appropriate? Yeah, that's that too would much. be... I think that's way too much. I'd like to give you a warning. Uh, if you want to go to YouTube and search for the uh, the, the cop that uh, stole some uh, weed from the evidence room and made pot brownies with his wife, and then called for the uh, you know, called nine one one because they thought they were dying. Like I'm thinking, maybe a half ounce for a stick of butter is what I would recommend. Careful, real careful. I remember back when uh, when I did it when I was uh, younger, about a, a decade ago. We did I think it was just a quarter ounce of like mid grade weed and. And, or regs or something like that, and did it. I don't know if it was one stick or whatever, but essentially we used a quarter ounce for a full batch of cookies, and those were the most powerful uh, cookies oh, really? I'd, I'd ever yeah, made. Well, so it depends on the quality of the weed and how strong you want the cookies to be. If you want it to be a situation where you eat one cookie and you're good, um, yeah, that would be best. Right, I would use like a half ounce of low quality weed because it's cheaper, really? um, and. With one stick of butter, and you can actually look online. I mean, there's different opinions on that as far as how much you should use. And I actually use vaped weed, so it's not as strong. So I use like two ounces, but yeah, I really enjoyed my uh, my talk radio career up to this point. (laughs) Well, so at that point in time, you put the stick of butter and the pot and water in a in a pan, and you basically let it simmer on low for like eight to ten hours. Oh wow! Then Yeah, it takes a while, but I mean, you can leave it on the lowest setting possible and just let it chill, stir it every once in a while. Um, then you take a really good strainer, like a cheesecloth, and uh-huh. you pour all of the weed and butter into it and into, like, with a bowl underneath. So you strain out all of the weed bits. You take the butter-water mixture, put it in the fridge. The butter will harden, and so at that point in time, you pour the yeah, it separates and hardens, so you can pour the water out, and then you have pot butter, and essentially you have a stick of pot butter, and you can use it with any recipe. You just make the recipe. Yeah, Eddie, point, I'm, so. I'm when when my uh, radio show goes down the tubes because of your <laughs> call, oh, I'm coming on. to your house and I'm going <laughs> to hang out there. Me and my wife and my kid, we're moving in. Hey, thanks for the call, Eddie, and <laughs> well, good luck. Uh, what I would also recommend is you go to arrowid.org. E R O W. Yeah, I recommend that too. Don't call Free Talk Live and ask for drug tips. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. What What's if wrong some, with okay, now, what if someone called and asked for a like cocktail recipes? Like, hey, Mark, how do you make the best Bloody Mary I've ever seen? Would It'd you be give... legal and I wouldn't lose my job. 
You're not going to lose nothing, your job. We talk about illegal about, stuff all the time. What's wrong with talking about pot brownies? The better way to approach it is, what if uh, that guy would have used three ounces and uh, called you know, the emergency room? Something could have terrible could have happened to him, and your yeah. advice actually gave him, you know, cut, had him cut down he the saved dosage. his life. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you should definitely research the dosage factor and take it easy on the dosage because you don't want to overdo. More coming up. Talk live. You can bring up anything, and we'll talk about it. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and the features include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create your will or living trust, even register a trademark. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. That's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Just a few more thoughts um, on the the pot brownie issue here uh, in order to keep... Here on Free Talk Live's last episode? In order to keep you safe. I don't know why you're so upset here, Mark. I mean, I think that your approach is correct. This is harm reduction. We're helping people keep safe uh, because the reality is uh, people are going to do drugs. And on this show, we acknowledge that that is a reality. And we talk about ways to do them on a more safe basis. And we've talked about these things. eating marijuana can be much safer than smoking it in that you could bring a cookie to a concert and eat it without worrying oh, about... You mean as far as the actual act of consumption, I was going to suggest that eating marijuana can be much more dangerous than smoking it because you can't measure your dose as easily with, well, uh, with consuming, right. orally consuming marijuana. Well, what I was going to say was that just, I mean, the reality is... Smoking weed has an odor to it that is much stronger than a pot brownie. I mean, if you you're eating a pot brownie, you yourself will probably taste. You should taste the pot, but nobody else is really going to notice. True, you will avoid detection um, of your drug use. And then I was going to follow that up with a safety tip for him, Eddie, and anyone else listening. When eating pot brownies, you really need to wait if like two hours before you just if you decide to eat another one. Do not decide in the first hour to eat another one because it takes much longer for marijuana to kick in when you ingest it absolutely and it could be up to ingest, four or five hours yeah if you ingest too much it it can be really uncomfortable i can tell you i've been I've, there before. yeah i think i've only been that high once in my life and it's not pleasant at all you know they say that marijuana i mean when we've talked about medical marijuana patients and some of the reasons they use marijuana obviously pain relief is one of them but in some cases it's to suppress nausea uh with aids patients and cancer patients using smoked marijuana to allow them to take the awful pills that they need to take, these pills that are just so upsetting uh, to their uh, their stomachs, basically. The marijuana allows them to reduce the nausea and thereby uh, they, keep, they can keep their pills down and, and get the treatments they're, they're, they need uh, with marijuana. But I can tell you that uh, the, the one time I ate two pot cookies, I felt sick. And I'd never felt sick yep. um, in, in consuming marijuana in my entire history of consuming marijuana. But I had obviously had so much uh, THC in my system at that point or whatever that it was just 
ugh, it was really bad. I had to go and lay down and, and take it really easy. And it was not it was yeah. not a good time. So that's why I'm suggesting that if you're going to uh, even eat, eat half a cookie, see how strong it is. If you absolutely. put a lot of weed in it, I, I, I'm a humongous advocate of testing your drugs a little bit. Test the waters, Take see how strong it is, and then experience the full experience later, another time. And this is one of the things, one of the problems, I mean, this is one of the things that separates a drug abuser from a drug user is the how it is that they would approach something like this. You know, a drug abuser is going to pop three cookies after he ate, the, you know, after he uh, bakes a batch, just eat as many as he can, and then see what happens. Whereas somebody who's a, a responsible user is going to do as you suggest, Julia, take a half, or, or if they made a light load, just eat one cookie, and then wait, be patient and see what the results are like. One of the problems you come across with an abuser is that they don't have patience. They're going to eat that cookie, and then they're going to smoke five bowls, and then, you know, four hours later, then the cookie cookie's going to kick in. That's when they call the, the, the ambulance. Well, I mean, yeah, most druggies probably wouldn't call the ambulance, but, but all that said, that's My God, a possibility. That would be, be very bad news, though, if you got... You know, ingested that right. much THC, well, that just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, but you're not going to die, and you're not going to be really destroyed by it or anything. I mean, but you, you might have think to... you're going to die, and that's in and of itself is bad news. So, uh, just I'm not saying you're going to. I'm not saying that you're going to be physically harmed yeah. by it. I it, it, it seems very unlikely when it comes to THC. You feel ill though. You could feel ill if you it's, take it. It's not and like drinking too much whiskey, which will kill you. If you go to the hospital. For any drug, anything, I recommend that you be prepared to be treated like crap because they do not. And whenever you go to the hospital for anything drug related, they treat you like a criminal. They treat you like a loser and they don't give you any correct information whatsoever. So I'm not really I don't know if I would ever go to the hospital unless it was like a life or death situation. So there you go. Some sensible tips as to how to if you've decided to use uh, the, the drug marijuana in eating form that will help you keep safe. So limit your intake and be careful with how much you put in. 800-259-9231. You're welcome to share your tips about whatever you want or talk about what you want. We continue with your calls and talk to Nick in Texas. Nick, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hey, Nick. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, mention to you guys about how uh, I was able to find uh, how the free market and uh, the uh, marijuana situation in this country can actually uh, come together and kind of solve itself out. Do tell. Um, we were, uh, I, I remain vague because I don't really want to ruin too much, uh, but, uh, um, we were able to find a, uh, a bar here in Southeast, uh, Texas that, uh, actually, um, they're very liberal, uh, in that sense of, uh, in smoking. Uh-huh. And, um, we were, uh, uh, you know, it just shows that even without, you know, governmental, you know, even with them on, on our backs constantly, uh, I just walked out of a smoke shop, in fact, you know, just, Constantly, you know, on our backs, there's still beacons of, you know... You're telling me... Let me know, see if I'm understanding your call. You're saying there's a, a public bar in somewhere in Texas that is actually allowing, knowledgeably, people to consume marijuana in smoked form? Um, I'm... Uh, that, that, that may be the case, actually. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm, Houston's I'm, a big I mean, place. I don't think that you're going to get... You're, you, you know, this isn't... It's not too not dangerous what caught. you're saying. I'm amazed. Do you, do you have a good relationship with the owner? How did this come about? Um, well, we, uh, it was one of the things where we heard from a friend from a friend that mm-hmm. this place exists. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the day comes that, you know, we have to make the drive out there to find out. And, you know, when you show up with your, with your, you know, pipe in your pocket, not, ex- you know, after a dangerous drive, you know, through, you know, through yeah. cop infested Texas, you know, you, uh, 
you're kind of nervous, but all of a sudden as the band starts playing and then, you know, time goes by, you look around and you find out, wow, there are about 40 other people <laughs> lighting up uh, right Man, here around you. That's amazing. Next uh, thing you know, you, you realize you're at home. <laughs> wow, I am uh, blown away by this. I mean, what is it that they're risking here? Uh, isn't there a possibility that if the cops come in that they could have their business shut down, they have their license pulled? I mean, what... Uh, We've all, uh, the, the, peop the people who frequent the place, we've all just come to the conclusion that it would most likely fall on us. Um, but then again, you know, you're right. right. You're right, though. The, the, you know, the establishment, actually, uh, we had a, uh, another bar uh, in our area get, get busted for much larger uh, percentages of, uh, uh, like, they were, they were using cocaine and then harder drugs and stuff. Mm. And, um, and, this, and they, the cops busted in, and uh, everybody just dumped their stuff, and no individual people with their uh uh you know who were caught were in trouble but uh, as far as i know they i think they just shut I'm it down for a week that. or so I, I thank you for the call tonight and you know what i guess that might kind of hold in with some of your experiences julia being a uh, young teenager going to various clubs they the cops would come and shake down the patrons the clubs yeah. wouldn't get shut down for that Sometimes they did. Sometimes they did. Okay, so Those I guess happen. it all depends on who's running the club and how politically connected yeah. they are, most likely. More on the way. You take control. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. On the site, you'll find all kinds of features, including the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive there for free. W-I-K-I, wiki. .freetalklive.com Have you been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type FTL for the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. That's AdamEve.com. As we continue with your phone call, Steve in South Carolina, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Steve. Hi, guys. Hey. Uh, you know, one, one good thing about Adam and Eve is the fact that they mail it in a brown wrapper so they don't know what it is. It's oh. discreet and fast shipping, as At I understand. So is this a testimonial? <laughs> is this a customer testimonial? Oh, oh yes. Oh, definitely. So how'd that 50% off deal work for you? Uh, I didn't get that because this was back in 1995. Oh, damn it. Well, you should do it now. AdamEve.com, 50% off with the code FTL. What Order were you calling $17 about? or more, they get a free gift. There you go. What were you calling about tonight? Thank you very much. Uh, I was listening to uh, Todd Schnitt today on the Schnitt Show. And oh, I'm so well. sorry. I'm so sorry. That's right, everybody. Oh, my God. Todd Schnitt is the worst, the worst <laughs> radio puker I have ever heard in my career, my 10-year career in radio. I think he's got some neat stuff to say. Actually, I've, I've never really listened to. I, I can't really ever <laughs> listen to his show because I can, all I can ever hear is how he pukes every single word that comes out of his mouth. I can't actually listen oh, to his. Oh, and content. the other thing is how he knows everything. 
Really? Is that what? Well, that's that's kind of the attitude that they tell you to have in talk radio. You're supposed to supposed to act like you know everything, and any caller that challenges your uh, your beliefs, you're not supposed to let them on uh, on the air. So well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead with your thoughts on uh, Todd. Schmidt. No, that's fine. But I mean, he he made this statement today. It's like, well, if we're gonna go green, we'll uh, we'll urinate in the toilet five times before we flush, and we'll defecate a couple of times before we flush. Ew. And I was like, what the hell was the point? But the point was is. You know, if you're going to maintain a standard of living, which is, you know, cleanliness, then how many more chemicals are you going to have to use to keep your toilet clean and, <laughs> you know, just balance that between not flushing? <laughs> you know, why don't you just go outside and urinate on a tree? There you uh, go. At least then you're going to, you know, at least provide the tree with a little bit of nutri- uh, nutrition. Yeah, you know, there, there's right, so many other put- things that they could be doing uh, as far as, because they have these septic tank systems. You could actually do a very good thing for the environment by setting up different septic tank systems, but the law requires that you do it the way that it needs to be done. Or that you hook up to sewer. It's the government that's doing it once again. Well, you know what? I think this whole uh, conserve water idea is pretty stupid. Uh, That's what I was just going to ask is, wait, why do I need to conserve water except to keep my water bill down? Are we running out of water? Yeah, your sewage bill, because you you get charged for every flush. Yeah, it's true. Uh, sewage and water. It's right. balanced that way. Um, but I, I have no idea why. I, I just really don't because the earth can purify the water. Right. The water doesn't disappear. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It only changes forms. Right. So, Every H2, exactly. H2O molecule that is currently in existence has been here for four billion years. Right, right. I mean, it's just what what is wrong with these people? Don't the environmentalists understand the most fun, one of the most fundamental basics of science? And I learned that in elementary school. And I remember that, and I don't remember much from yeah. elementary school science. But that one sticks science, with me. It's pretty basic, pretty, I thought, common knowledge. Right. It cha- water changes form. If it's not in water form, it's in vapor form, or it's uh, it's it's frozen water. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to go but, through but those the, cycles. You know, and, and the earth is going to filter it. You can dig a well, and you're going to get, you know, pure spring water versus, you know, just, I, don't, I have no clue what he was talking about. I was like, you know... It just Mother Earth will take care of herself. Well, he wasn't well, being serious. He was being flippant about. Right. But, but uh, some the, of these you know, environmentalists, the it, it's this, it's like this religious religion. It's it's sort of a holdover from some of these religions where oh we're so bad the self flagellation I believe you know beating yourself and uh, you know we're we've just done such terrible things to Gaia Mother Earth and they really self don't flagellation. Look at, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not flagellation, flagellation. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad you called tonight, dude. I thank you, and I appreciate hearing from you. The green movement is one that just gets under my skin. No, there's nothing wrong with right. taking and care of things. I really appreciate nature. That's something that I get a lot of, you know, people say, oh, well, you just don't like the earth, you Republican, blah, blah, blah. And, and You're not like, even close. I'm not even close to a Republican. I like gay people, and I smoke weed. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. I was, you know, I was kidding. Yeah. But, there yeah, are some gay Republicans and some I, um, I was I was joking. But um, it's not based on anything except emotion, and it, it it's just it's just like fluff that they make up as they go along. Why should I turn off my lights more often except to save on my power bill? Because energy we're gonna run out of energy? What? Like Think about that statement before you repeat it. Well, now to to some extent, just to go to the just to look at the water issue, 
to some extent, there is a, there's some level of, of – it makes some sense because government is the water distributor. Because government is the water distributor means that they very well could run out in their reservoir. I mean, I, I, just because they don't know what they're doing, they have no incentive to expand their capacity, to, uh, to add new reservoirs, to add new systems, or whatever it is, however the, their system works, to expand it appropriately as uh, things – as uh, demand demands that they do. They don't have – have the market incentives to do those things because they've granted themselves a market monopoly over water providing. So in that sense, in that the government runs the entire system and sucks at it, well, okay, then running out of water from their system is a very real possibility. Of course, that's actually something the government likes. I mean, secretly they like it, because if they're running low on water, then they get to institute new water rationing systems, like um, down in Sarasota, where we used to live, Mark, they, at least at one part of the town, they had odd and even days, where if you had a certain number they're of They're regularly then, controlling your behavior with uh, this, this water Yeah, we were stuff. only allowed to sprink, uh, use sprinklers on our lawn in Sebastian, which was on the East Coast, um, like between four and five, and I'm sorry, but what if you're not home? Yeah. Then. Right. You're screwed. You just have to have a you know. Oh brown no, yard. I, that's right. They, they would do they, they would do them on PM, and this is what doesn't make any sense is they'd have afternoon watering restrictions when you're supposed to have water in the afternoon. The best time to water is like four or five in the morning. Is that right? Yes, because then it, the water doesn't sit on the grass, and uh, I, I don't know about all grass. I know about yeah. Florida grass. It doesn't sit on the grass and uh, cause mold. And so I used uh, to water overnight. You know, just to over, because you know, none of the code enforcers are driving around in the overnights. The busybody neighbors aren't going to notice that either. But I mean, there's so the fact that the government runs the water system means it is subject to shortage in the first place, which means that they get to use that excuse to control people and to restrict access and to demand the rationing and things like that. So really, all of the problems that we're talking about here stem from the root cause of government being the provider of water. If pr- water was provided on a private basis, the Private marketplace competitors would figure out ways to continue putting that water into your spigots. The green movement, I guess, is really what I could call it. It's growing in popularity, and it scares me because I feel like it's almost... I mean, it really gives government a, a gigantic... It's socialism in disguise. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, it, they back up socialism with a sort of religious uh, fervor behind And it, it's something that's very popular because yep. it's really pushed in the schools. And it's something that people get really emotional about. And if you come out against it, well, you hate the earth. Right. Where do you live? Right. Blah, you, blah, if you, blah. If you, dispute their, if, if you dispute some of their facts or their actions, you must hate the earth. No, 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 no. I, I really love the earth and I want good things. But to me, there's some other important uh, aspects. And if we, you know, if global warming, maybe global warming isn't true. Like maybe, maybe it's not exactly Wasn't as the hottest told. recording it's, recorded temperature in 1998? Right. Maybe it's That's not. That's 10 years ago. Maybe it's not man caused. It, it could be. It could not. I don't know the, the specifics, but I I'll tell you, I don't want the earth to survive so that it can be a socialist place. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Live free or die. Yeah, is it man created? It seems pretty. It seems like it. T- it would take a lot of hubris to well, believe that a, a little ants could have some sort of significant effect on uh, the earth. But I think Penn and Teller put it best in their show BS. Um, they had a, oh, the guy who invented the Weather Channel on, and he said, you know, temperature always changes. The hottest recorded temperature was in 1998. It's actually going down at this point in time, and that. I mean, you just don't know anything about it. It's it's ever changing, always right. has the, been. The idea that uh, the little ants called humans can throw a bunch of money at this uh, and regulations to to change the climate of the earth is lu- it seems ludicrous on its face. More coming up. Free talk live. 
anything, even in these remaining moments, we'll try to sneak your call in at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls, and we talk to Demetrius in New York. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Demetrius. Hey, Mark, Julia. What's on your mind? Mark, why are you so worried about socialism? I mean, Barack Obama is going to make some windmills and, you know, mm-hmm. economic prosperity is right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so... Windmills, man. Windmills. I, well, you know, I'm all for windmills <laughs> if you want to put them on your property and pay for them. And, you know, and, and I... I've thought about putting I'd them on my place, I'd rather you pay for them. Yes, yeah. that's right. It's when, it's when you want me to pay for them that it just doesn't really go. I saw it. I was actually on Home Depot's website, and they had windmills on the front page, so they must be getting cheaper, right? They're kind of marketing them a little more mass market now. You know, actually, I'm, I'm, talking like, I'm talking like I'm going to pay for them. The fact is, I spent nine years in prison. Didn't I haven't paid that much in taxes, and with the earned income tax credit, um, you know, as far as... Uh, you know, having owned a rental property and stuff like that, I was able to uh, write a lot off with the earned income tax credit. I'm sure I'm tax positive. Like, I've probably... You're a welfare got, queen? I, I probably have gotten money from the earned income tax credit. Tisk, tisk. I'll, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I feel I'm doing what I, I'm doing what's I'm legally required to, otherwise I go to prison. Really? You have to take the welfare payment? You don't. It's, it, it's just it. It gets figured into your taxes. It's not a welfare Shows payment. What I know. Hell, I haven't figured I those, you, you don't even fill those out. things out for years. Uh, so there you go, uh, Demetrius. Any other thoughts for us? No, I was going to bring up a cop story, but I'm starting to sound too much like Tom from New Hampshire, anyway. So, <laughs> all right, that's about it. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Dave in Michigan. Dave, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey guys. Uh, Normally I listen in the afternoon, so I don't get a chance to call in. But I've been listening to Mark and uh, and uh, been wanting to chime in on his statism. My my statism. Let yeah. him have it. Wouldn't you agree that I'm probably you know 95 percent better than most libertarians you talk to, and a hun and 99 percent better than most? Yeah, uh, but talking about the 95 and 99 percent isn't any fun. So let him have it. Okay. Oh, come on, Mark. So you, you you know you you talk to your you talk about being a recovering Republican once in a while or something along that line. So you've still got a long way to go. Uh-huh. When I you're, you're familiar with the term utilitarianism, I, I'm familiar with utilitarianism. Do, can you define do. it for our listeners? Yeah. Well, essentially, well, let me define it by example. My favorite term or my favorite example of utilitarianism was um, when they some states sent Ron Paul Republicans delegates. To the uh, to the convention out there. Do you remember that? Yes. And uh, and these guys sold their souls to to trade their votes for John McCain. They were supposed to go. They were sent to go to that convention to cast their vote for Ron Paul's convention. Correct. Mm-hmm. And when they got there, they took the pressure. They they found themselves in the in the in the pressure of the political environment and and compromised. And they said. Well, we're giving something now to gain a lot more later. Yeah. What do you think those guys gained? I can't imagine. I don't know what they gained. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't care to speculate as to what they got. Politics is dirty, dirty business. Right. But uh, I, the the people that voted for Ron Paul gained nothing. Right. Well, your your whole take on this uh, this fire department thing you're doing, where you're going to oh, compromise. You're not working from principle. You're working to compromise to trade something to get something. Uh-huh. You've involved yourself in the political process. Now you are in the buy and sell game of other people's money. You're just 
and 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 mostly they're just they're going to appease you and say, "Oh, that's good, Mark. Um, we'll get you vote, and and we'll consider what you're thinking about. Get deeper and deeper into it, and you'll find yourself just as much as a pig as the rest of them." You know, I I, I can see you <laughs> predicting the future here, and the possibility exists that what you say is true. But however, can't I stop at any point and say, "Nope, I got burned." No, because you're not working on principle. You're 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 trying to. You're, you're being utilitarian. You're trying to find a way to work within the system. Right. The so system is I shouldn't a power find back. a way to get other people on board with liberty. I should just stand from principle, and at some point, all government will disappear. <laughs> That'd probably be a better approach than what you're doing. Mm, that's what that's you the approach you're coming from. And I'm sorry, the, the, the complete ideological stance has no value, man. It's not no, going no, anywhere. No, 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 that's not true, Mark. The utilitarian ask, stance. Ask Lysander no Spooner how it went. Read Rothbard's chapter one on For a New Liberty when he was talking about. Yeah. How you know, go ahead and write the books. Law and and those of us doing stuff will do stuff. Huh? Th- those of us who are doing stuff will do stuff. You go ahead and write write your books and read your books. <laughs> I think uh, I think most of the free staters are doing better stuff than you're doing because they're actually taking a stand. Uh, no, I, I think you have a, the wrong picture on what's going on with most of the free staters. Most of the free staters are in the political process, um, approaching things likely from the position that I am, and the a few of them that Ian talks about that happen to be here geographically very close to Ian are well, they're. Some of them are do- they're doing civil disobedience, some um, civil disobedience more effective than others. So, Mark, yeah. if it turns out that your approach with the fire department, which is basically just a recap, uh, since we're kind of talking about things that people might not be familiar with, you've gone in there, they want to get a brand new fire truck. Uh, tanker truck, yeah. A tanker truck. That You've gone in there and you've said, well, hey, let's switch over to a, vol- a more voluntary method of funding. The fire chief is humoring you on this and saying... I don't uh, know that humoring is the right terminology. Saying, he says... And it, um, if the free market is, he says is they a might great try system, it. and I believe it is, then it should work, but, right? But you're not talking about a free you're market not in a system. Free market. You're talking about them restructuring slightly their current uh, coercive system. And going more free market. Well, he said that that's something they'll consider that they might do that actually hasn't happened mark. yet. And so, yeah, so he got your vote as he a result not of playing politics. Vote. Um, my, I have not yet voted either. He is going before the selectmen to present the idea. Um, you're presenting it. You're presenting this in a fashion that is incorrect. And if it doesn't go through, then what? Well, what do you mean? Well, if they just continue on in the, the if path the selectmen um, sink it, yeah. I, what am I supposed to do at uh, that point? Well, you did all you could, right? Uh huh. Now you're. See, that's utilitarianism. You think you can fix things from the inside. The inside is corrupt. It's mess. Well, why don't you come here and throw snowballs at the uh, fire department and teach them a lesson? (laughs) Maybe I will. Okay. Look at, you know, when I say you're not operating from principle, look at, for example, the uh, Oh, I understand. I understand where you come from on you're not operating from principle. You're right. I'm operating from a principle of I'd like to see this work rather than a principle of non-aggression. I guess time will tell, right, Dave? I mean, we're going to hear back from Mark as to uh, whether anything changes uh, within their system, and either you'll be right or he'll be right, right? Yeah. All right, so pay attention and call us back. It's not like there's any more aggression going on in the world because I am going to uh, either vote or not vote for this tanker, right? That's a true statement, I would say. Thank you, uh, Dave, for the call, and we will uh, certainly continue paying attention to this issue as it develops. As we continue with your phone calls and go to O.J. in Nebraska. O.J., you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. 
Evening, gentlemen. I know you're running short on time. Yes. So, uh, real quick, pit bull bans. Pit bulls. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, the people who choose to own dogs more as weapons than as pets will simply move on to another breed. Yeah. Uh, over the uh, over my career, I've had to shoot five dogs. Wow. Uh, all of them at the time were either had or were in the process of attacking a person or another animal mm-hmm. off of the property of the owner. Uh, two of those were pit bulls. One of them was a Doberman. Two of them were, were mixed breed. Uh, more importantly, though, three of them belonged to career criminals. One of them belonged to an extremely crazy person. And one of them was a wild dog. So I think yep. it's the character of or the rest of the breed of the owner more than the breed of the dog that matters. I agree. Absolutely. 100% in agreement there. you got to ban the deed, not the breed. But that's exactly. what they're doing. They're they're categorizing all pit bulls as the same, which is essentially collectivism. It's a bigotry actually against yeah. uh, the, the the pit bull breed, and it's despicable what it's, they're doing. It's essentially people. dog racism. So uh, OJ, would you? I mean, as a law enforcement officer, if they passed a pit bull ban there in Nebraska, would you engage in uh, enforcement actions? Only on a complaint where I'd have no choice. Oh man, isn't there always a choice? Well, in something like that, there there really isn't. I mean, it, when if if they ban pit bulls, somebody calls in a complaint and says my neighbor has a pit bull chained up in the backyard. You go up there, you look in the backyard. You're able to look in the backyard, and uh, and there's a pit bull right there. You really don't have much choice. Why, did, why can't I define something as a pit bull? That would be the first question that I would uh, like. How am I? Wait, wait a minute. I have not received dog training training yeah. um, <laughs> to be able to identify what uh, one of these dogs is. But you know, I, I do agree that I would rather have a guy who's going to ignore pit bulls uh, rather than going searching out pit bulls in that particular instance. Hey OJ, yeah. I'd, I'd rather you arrest the uh, the people that oh, that are ordering you to follow bad laws like this. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. It has been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. We shall return tomorrow for the live Saturday edition. You can join us then and join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 